I need to think of things to talk about. So what do you do when you chop a plant? Like, what's your favorite methods? What have you found to be successful? Do you lick the end and then stick it in a glass of water? Lick, lick the, the end? end? I don't know. I'm just giving him ideas. Is that something that people do? Welcome to Rough Around the Hedges podcast. I'm Kaylin. I'm Adam. And I'm Christine. And today we are going to talk about how to make more of your houseplants. Yay. A.K.A. propagating. A.K.A. chop and prop. A.K.A. prop. Don't shop. Oh, yeah. No prop lifting, by the way. Oh, right. Stealing cuttings from plant shops. Mm, yeah, that's not definitely not the way to go about making more. And there's obviously other ways to do it that are way better. Yeah. So for me, my favorite way to prop and chop depends on the plant, really. So like some plants, you can just separate a plant from the main plant, like Calathea. You can just separate it, pull it apart. Two plants. But something like a philodendron, those tend to not actively pop out as many growth points just from the soil so those i like to take an actual cutting i'll do a top cut of two or more leaves and then i'll do i like to do single node cuts because it makes more faster and then it's easier to stick them in jars of water in my window as opposed to having long viney things that are falling out of water containers all over the place <laughs> what yeah. about you adam yeah i think there are definitely certain plants that the only way to propagate are, is through division. Like you said, separating different pieces, like separating chunks from the soil. So like ferns, that's kind of really the only option that you have. You have to kind of separate it from the roots. And I know there are other examples out there of stuff that you need to propagate through division. I think probably, yeah. And you can really do that. You can do that with a lot of plants. If you've got multiple like growing points coming out of the soil that's kind of a uh, a signal that you can probably propagate through division mm -hmm. yeah and that usually is a good way to do it because it will already have roots it will be traumatic probably a little bit for the plant because you're transplanting you're ripping it out you're ripping the root system apart a little bit but but i think for most cases i propagate through cutting cutting a vine is like a great example but Cutting begonias, I do that a lot too. Um, I'm trying to even think. I'm mostly cutting hoyas, cutting um, aeroids, and cutting begonias. What do you do after you cut them? Generally go straight into water. I generally go straight into water for most things. Usually it only switches to moss or perlite for me if it's like refusing to, to cooperate in water. Um... And that's usually because the cutting itself isn't, doesn't start from a healthy enough point. So like sometimes I'll start, I'll cut up a whole vine and just the lowest, oldest leaves will refuse to grow roots or sprout. Um, and those ones I would eventually probably switch to like a humidity enclosure or sphagnum moss. But I will also say when we're, if we're talking about propagating, you can also propagate succulents from like leaf or stem cuttings and those I will let dry like I'll let them callous or harden off at the point where they were cut before I uh, like introduce any type of moisture um so yeah that's kind of my covers all the bases for the plants that I grow I think in terms of propagation mm -hmm. yeah Christine what about you I am so being mostly Hoya alocasia alocasias have corms which we can 
go over. It's instead of alocasia just put out their own little nubbins to say from the plant that are on like attached to like a little umbilical cord to the main mother plant it's true it's what it looks like to uh-huh. me yeah, a um so either they'll fall off on their own or when i'm doing a nut pot or something they'll just like pop off while i'm messing with it and those corms are what grow more alocasias and usually i had been doing leca for a while with those but i've i don't know moss is such a miracle worker that I like doing moss now. Also because I'm currently in a small experiment of myself of whether or not alocasia individual species like leca versus soil. So this last round of playing around with my alocasias, I pulled off enough corms that I'll now be able to have one of each, one in soil, one in leca for every single species I have, and I'm going to do a little experiment to see. Mm-hmm. So everything right now is in moss because it's going to get transferred to soil when it gets big enough. So are you just going to grow them in each respective media until they get to a certain size? We'll just see. Cause, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm, it's a little a couple different variables I've been checking of how many leaves they'll be able to support at a time. Lindsay's going crazy. How many leaves they can support at a time in either media. Um, cause I've noticed a lot of some, not all of them, but some of my LECA alocasias can only really hold two or three, uh, leaves, even with frequent fertilizing, um, how quickly, how big the whole kind of bit of everything. It's kind of the philodendron hypothesis. So I guess I would think that actually when we're talking about propagating corms, that would be a type of division. Because what would happen eventually with those corms is they would, they would sprout. That is true. That would be, they would become pups. And mm-hmm. then when you're separating pups from a mother plant, that would be in the category of propagation through division. Right. So I think we could probably, it's different, because obviously. Because you can, I've, yeah. I've never done this, but you can uh, split an allocation. Like you can cut the corm, I guess. Really? And regrow from there. Some people have well, done it. So like I have a cupria that it just has... It's grown enough leaves that it has a little chunk of mm-hmm. stem, I guess, in between where the plant is and where the corm is in the soil. And so I can chop that, root it, probably in moss. Um, that will regrow roots, and then I can just pot it back into the mm-hmm. soil. And then the corm itself will callus off and grow? It's not really mm-hmm. a corm at that point. It's almost a stump. Right. Right. You know, you would think, so that's actually something I haven't tried because I think the one time I did it, died but mm-hmm. i was actually just Ma- uh, mackie showed me a video about somebody doing that on a youtube channel and the bot the butt cut ended up dying so personally i want to try it with some of my plants that i know are happy that mm-hmm. might be able to regrow from that rooted stump of an alocasia but i haven't gotten around to trying it yet right so i guess that is a way with alocasias but usually at least for me anytime i open up an alocasia it's got eight million corms in it usually yeah. so that's how you know they're happy. Yeah, that's yeah what I've uh, done. That's a safer. That's a safer bet. And, and I think theoretically, my I would hypothesize that yes, you can do it from a cutting. It's just that the fact that the uh, an alocasia is an erasee mm-hmm. family, and it has nodes. Every leaf that comes out, but it's just that the internodes are so tight that you can't see the nodes until you have it's grown and matured enough for it to have a trunk where all the old leaves have grown and died and left leaf scars. So that's kind of at a point where you would be able to chop it underneath where the like currently actively growing leaves are and have some like node tissue underneath to grow roots from. 
and also have no tissue above the root zone where it can re-sprout from. I would guess it would be possible. Yeah, because I have some alocasia that, in that situation, I haven't cut them, but they have that leaf, or what is it, the stem chunk with yeah, the leaf tissue. Yeah, my got that It will right put now. out new leaves from some of those points right above the soil that then grow down into the soil because they sense the moisture. Mm. New leaves? Sorry, roots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it is capable of growing roots from that, like, like trunk yeah. part, portion. Yeah. And I actually just took my cupria, I repotted it, and I put it lower in the soil in a tall pot, and uh. I put soil up along that old stem part. So I don't... I bet that would encourage I don't disturb more my plants to see how they're doing, but I would guess if I went to go look, it would have roots on it. Huh. This is already becoming interesting, you guys. Like, I've never <laughs> really thought that hard about this, but it's definitely a difference when you have... I think something we should talk about is, like, when you do have a plant that has, like that internodes so so tight together then it just becomes harder to take cuttings that have the node tissue that you need to grow roots on Mm -hmm. the cutting well if you're trying to keep every node intact with a leaf yes Yes. but if you can sacrifice let's say you have a 10 leaf let's say oh it's one that's really close together syngoniums what Depends on, the, depends on the yeah, but, but I was going to say like the self-heading philodendrons, like your, your oh, yeah. orange marmal or not your orange marmal, your Prince of Orange, Prince Moonlight. of Orange, exactly. Yeah, so like those, I honestly have so many nodes that I'm just going to cut through yeah. a petiole and sacrifice, you know, that particular cutting and then just take the little chunk of stem I need. Yep. I was thinking about the billetier when I tried to cut that. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a prop for you, Christine. That one was close together, and so I was like, all right, which which leaf is getting sacrificed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, you cut through the leaf, it falls off because you slice through it, but then you have the node it was attached to, and you make sure you get at least one good node on there, but you've probably cut through two others on opposite ends of the node you're keeping that you're probably fucking over. But just know that. Should we describe what a node is in case people don't know what we're talking about? Oh, good idea. So a node on plants, <laughs> on your self-heading vining type plants you'll see the stem with all the leaves coming off and then there'll be these little brown nubbins um that's lency that's that's valencia poor lency had some surgery and she has a cone on and she's scratching because it itches (laughs) um so there's these little brown they'll probably look like spots to begin with um but as the plant matures they will probably start to pop out a little bit if you're in in a situation where you've got higher humidity they actually will throw out aerial roots that's a node. That's what we're talking about. It's also where the um, leaf is attached to the stem. Right. Right. That's where a lot of plants, a lot of plants need to have that to be able to root. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're talking about yeah. when we say nodes. So a node in general is just the point where two different things or mul- two or more things are intersecting. So that's where the stem connects to the petiole would be the node. And that's generally the place, like you said, where it has the genetic material needed to create an entire new plant mm-hmm. a clone of itself some exceptions are going to be hoyas and begonias yes because hoyas will i mean they they root from any part of the stem they will root from any part of the stem but they also will kind of throw nodes out too you mm-hmm. do which need, it might be just aerial roots honestly yeah. it's i think you do need nodes for for hoyas you don't nope they will they will root They'll literally root. anywhere they won't but what root. about grow new vines so that's where the like the leaf thing comes in. They won't. You can't take a leaf and stick it in. Exactly. But can Though you take it and actually, make it stem? There is actually school of thought that you actually can. Um, I most recently have been like reading on on like the whole carry eye scam where you know you get the little heart 
in the pot for Valentine's Day that they can mm-hmm. eventually start vining. It's it's a long game, but um, but no, yeah, with Hoyas you do need at least part of a stem, I should say. But you from like sticks, you can root and they will eventually grow. Okay. I've never had any success with it. I've never really tried it, but there are people who do it all the time. Would the stick have a node on it though? Like, because sometimes Hoyas create long stems that are that have lots of individual nodes that just don't activate for a long time and then eventually there are specific points where leaves will emerge and would those be considered nodes like the the tendrils that come out of a hoya that reach up and start climbing a trellis or whatever like there are specific points on that tendril that are able to create leaves mm-hmm. and there are other points that are not able to create leaves mm-hmm. And I would argue, or I would guess that those points are needed to create a new plant from. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I do know what you're talking about. And I guess I don't have enough experience to be able to speak on that, okay. on whether or not that is a thing. Because I would think, um, say you just have a stick with mm-hmm. nothing else on it except for a stick. That mm-hmm. will root. Yeah. And it will probably end up growing out a tendril like you're talking about. And whether or not that's going to have nodes along with it is an interesting right process. Yeah, I think it's possible for Hoyas that you need a place where a leaf is coming out in order to create a whole new plant. But I'm not sure. I feel like we should... We, we should, should try it. We should try it. For science. Yeah, and we should also... We should... We like when we do our Hoya Hoya episode... episode, yeah, we can... Episode. episode. When we do our Hoya episode... So Eve or not, dude, if you're listening yeah. to this, let us know if this is possible <laughs> yeah. or not, and we'll circle back. Yeah. Woo! The other one we were talking about, begonias, um, as long as you have begonia tissue, you can make a new begonia. So you can do it from the leaf, you can do it from the petiole, you can do it from the stem, you can do it from a node. Mm -hmm. Yep, you can do it kind of with, and and I don't know about root tissue for begonias and other things, because I think it's the same for like pilea and peperomias, a lot of pileas and peperomias. I don't know, I won't say all. Um, and I won't say all begonias either because I'm just, I haven't tried all of them, but I think what? you haven't tried all 5,000 begonias. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. No, uh, but that's the truth for, for many, if not all begonias, pileas and peperomias. And there are probably other plants out there that can do that as well. Like you can take a like snip of a leaf, like the tip of a leaf and, um, you can put it in a humidity enclosure with sphagnum moss or cocoa peat or, Whatever propagating material you Does want. that leaf snip have to have a part of the main vein? I don't know. I know, know that's where the plantlets come from. The vein? I'm actually, I'm trying it right now. Yeah. So I had, um, I've been trying my begonia leaf propagations because in the past I've never been able to get them to do anything or I just give up before time happens. But I had some leaves that I broke off. Um, my brevimosa and my amphioxus when I went to prop them. So I was like, oh, this is, we're, we're literally losing nothing. Let's try it. So I just keep them, keep them moist, keep them in humidity. Um, for the amphioxus, I am taking leaf cuttings where it's, it's the leaf and I've cut it in half. And then I take the one half with the bigger veins and I stick that down into the soil. And then I had all the, I cut off the top of the leaf. I saw Simone do this where you just have less begonia tissue for the begonia cutting to support, which helps it not die. So mm-hmm. like my begonia mints, I've cut down all of the extra leaf on that. And then the amphioxus, I cut off some of the tips because those get pretty long. But then I was like, what happens if I just take all these little tiny tips, throw them in a pot of soil, mm-hmm. throw them in my tent with the humidity? 
that's where that's where i'm at we're gonna see what happens yeah if they die who cares they were going in the compost heap anyway but if they live <laughs> i'll have another begonia you have like ten thousand begonias oh, really God, fast yeah. there's probably like 50 to 75 little tips in there yeah. so that would be just an insane yeah. plant if and i think it, i would say like the with smaller pieces of tissue it becomes more important to have like more sterile higher humidity conditions to get them to actually follow through and not just like shrivel up or rot out or whatever consistent humidity yeah i have a off-brand ikea cabinet that i put together and like the humidity doesn't say consistently 70 80 Mm -hmm. my grow tent downstairs does so i've had much more success downstairs with Mm -hmm. the begonia cuttings than i did upstairs in the uh, cabinet Right, but like for for those genuses, the apilia, the peperomia, and the the begonias that are able to produce whole plants from just tissue, uh, like without nodes or petioles or stem cuttings or division, uh, it becomes, I think, a little bit more like a you need laboratory conditions to sort of see that through. It's almost like tissue culture where you're starting with a smaller little chunk of tissue and you're trying to get it to grow an entirely new plant, mm-hmm. which is, that can be great if you want to just be really careful with what you're doing and you want a dozen of the same kind of begonia. Um, but I think for a lot of people, you can just do, maybe just do a leaf, start with a leaf cutting or a stem cutting. And I also was going to say, Kaylin, that it might be different with the cane begonias versus the like rhizomous begonias for, for which kind of cutting? for like just doing like oh like a tip of a leaf for example i haven't ever tried that with a cane begonia but i've done it successfully with a, a number of different uh rhizomous begonias like the um what ones those pa- begonia passing storm that pink one mm-hmm. and the begonia taconite which is the with a pavanina Pavanina hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's another interesting. I know I've tried it with a cane begonia, but that was back when I didn't do it right and they all died. So, I have no actual results on that to yeah. report. Yeah. But I just remember finding out that you could do that with begonias. Like, I think the first thing I saw was like a pepper, like a maybe a pilea peperomioides or something, where someone had just taken, like, cut one of those like cylinder like circular leaves just cut it in half and tucked it in the soil mm. and then it had sprouted little pilea peperomioides pups you know i could have brought you one of those <laughs> i broke a leaf off mine today yeah and being like what you don't need like you don't need a node you don't need a stem even it can just grow from like a chunk of leaf that's so crazy and i think that's a nice thing about begonias because you they're like fle- they're not flexible what are they they break off a lot so oh, yeah. <laughs> you break off a leaf you're like well i guess i can prop it yeah and i just like i feel like it would work with like a tradescantia or like you know have you guys ever grown tradescantia yeah but those guys root so easily from stem cuttings right so vigorous i'm not gonna bother with individual leaves that's like their strategy in in the wild is like we're gonna just make it so brittle that it just breaks off Mm. easily and we're gonna spread all over this place i do a lot of just rooting stuff in water but like sometimes water isn't working and i think then i will switch over i've sometimes rooted stuff in leca but my problem is i can't ever keep the reservoir filled up with the adequate amount of humidity because i get lazy um but then i'll try moss a lot of people use moss right away i'm not one of those people moss is my last resort 
and just bat it, keeping it hydrated at the right level where it's not too soggy, but it's not too dry. And then by the time I check it, I'm like, oh shit, it's dry. <laughs> All my progress is lost. Yeah. So what do, what are you, so that is your go-to right at the very beginning with aeroids or just Hoyas water. is water for you, yeah. Kaylin? Yeah. Okay. And for you, Christine? For Hoyas, I, I've done a couple water props. Um, there's a difference between how different Hoya species prop better depending on what I have found their tissue is like for their stems. So the quote unquote woody Hoyas, the ones that have like basically branches, um, they root really well in water. But what I've really gone to is the butterfly method with uh, Hoyas. Yes. So the butterfly prop is when you have your little strand or your little vine, you take a cutting with multiple nodes and you just cut them all up. So you have a bunch of little itty bitty tiny nodes and you just throw, lay them on top of the leca or moss or whatever your medium Soil. is. Um, and they just root that way. Mm. And then you have a, you have a full plant a lot faster that way. Do you keep them in humidity while they're doing that? Yes. I keep them in humidity and with leca, I almost leave the reservoir at like 50 to 75%. I keep it real high. Caitlin tried Christine's method last summer and I was doing it too hard. I was trying too hard. The stakes were too high and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And eventually you were just like, put them in your south window, keep the reservoir high and let it be. And that worked for me. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. This is why I hate propping Hoyas. <laughs> they always feel like they're going to die on me. I feel like we should do an entire episode of like reassuring plant people with that exact voice that you just used. Like, don't worry. Just put it in a bright spot. Let it <laughs> leave grow. it alone. Yeah, that's how I needed Christine to talk to me. Because I yeah. was like, Christine, I'm about to leave for a con. I'm going to be here for seven days. What about my plan? Because yeah. I really do feel like that feeling is so common amongst plant parents where it's like, you're trying too hard. You're just yep. trying too hard and you're yep. just killing it. You're just suffocating this plant. Yeah, yeah you care too much. Yeah. <laughs> but Nice no, to have a plant friend to talk you down. Yeah. Hold your hand. It's okay, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the butterfly propagation method with maybe the small small leaf. Do you do it with small leaf and large leaf Hoya varieties? or Give me a small leaf variety. Like the Hushkiliana, I'm thinking yep. of, or like a Croniana or something yep. that has smaller leaves. Because I feel like that would work well with maybe those. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like that would be hard to keep those tiny little leaves and nodes like submerged in Lekka. But that's the beautiful thing is Christine's just saying, put them on the top. Put them on top. You and then they will root down them. into it. I see. And They'll just keep just it in a humid enough spot. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah you, the humidity sense. is nice because it helps like encourage sure. the roots to start finding their way. But yeah, then as soon as they find it, they go straight down and they're so, happy. So what about with like the Sarawak? What, what do you do with that? I mean, I very rarely am doing like four Sarawaks into a, into a <laughs> plot. So like that, that will be an individual I see. Uh, thing. And when you have an individual cutting, what what would your method be? That would be, because since, and I mean, that's kind of just like naturally going into that route I was talking about, where like the Sarawaks, the Vitilinoids, all those, those are the woody hmm. um, Hoyas. So either I throw them in water or I'll stick them down in the Leka and they root that way. Okay. And they root fast. Yeah, they can. Hoyas can root really. There was a... They root fast for Christine. <laughs> they, no, they really can root fast, especially in the humidity. Not they, for me. One thing that I used to, so I used to grow almost ex- Hoyas almost exclusively in Lekka. And because I had this experience in the very beginning of my Hoya journey where my friend James gave me a cutting of a uh, 
Hoya Pubicalix Hawaiian Purple oh, yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that. And I put it in soil and it just did nothing for just... It was a rooted cutting. Mm-hmm. It just did nothing for months and months. And Sounds like a Hoya to me. Yeah. And I was so... I was like, this is dumb. But it I sounds even, not like a Pubicalix. Like that is... Right. They grow so fast. Yeah. And I, you know, it was like one of the first Hoyas... My, in the beginning of my Hoya experience. And I was, it was kind of putting me off. I was like, mm, I don't get the hype. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the hype. Um, purple's cool, but this isn't doing it. Um, but I eventually was like, okay, we're just going to switch it to Lekka. And I switched it to Lekka, and within a week or two, it had sp- sprouted a growth point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just an experience like that is enough to just get you to like, oh, I'm switching I'm everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it could be like the way you grow too. Like in your case, you have, so if it's your normal soil mix, it doesn't seem like that holds a lot of moisture. So if the plant wanted more moisture, if sure. it got more moisture in the leka, it explains why he was I'm like, sure oh, I like this. I'm sure yeah. that's what it was. And there it are was, thirsty Hoyas yeah. out there. I was treating it like a succulent where I was letting it go too dry and oh, it just yeah, wasn't able right? to do anything. But that is a huge disclaimer. Don't, don't treat your Hoyas like succulents. Wait, wait, what? Can you say that again? Mm-hmm. Don't treat your Hoyas like succulents. Do not wait for wrinkly leaves. Yeah. Do not. That's why I sucked at Hoyas in the beginning. Succulents. I think the same goes with like jungle cactuses as mm-hmm. well. There's like a lot of plants that have succulent leaves that aren't desert adapted to live right. in drought and arid conditions. But I'm... Digress. Yeah. This is a tangent. <laughs> I don't even remember where Wait. I started. Well, the we're point, talking about rooting We're talking about ro- rooting Hoyas. Yeah. And growing Hoyas. But... um I, there was a period of time where I was growing all my hoas in Lekka. And so the way I propagated them was supposed to be an attempt to facilitate a transition to Lekka more easily. So I would propagate them just in like perlite uh, containers, mm-hmm. right? Just a container, sealed, clear container with perlite and water. And I would like cut them so that it was just the the leaf and then this portion of stem below below the node and then cut off right above the node because what happens is on Hoyas a lot of times the newer tissue tends to grow roots really really fast Mm -hmm. and the older more woody stem tissue like will grow roots more slowly and if you just put the whole thing in a humidity enclosure you'll have it rooting upside down Mm -hmm. which is frustrating which is very which is (laughs) very frustrating so I'll cut off the tissue I'll cut off the stem right above the node so mm-hmm. that that portion of stem will just root to provide moisture for the l- node and the leaf above it mm-hmm. and not below it. Uh, and so I would cut them up like that and tuck them all in perlite. And perlite, you can just switch right into LECA mm-hmm. without having to remove the perlite because it's inorganic and it's not going to like grow algae or it won't rot or rot like yeah. moss like mm-hmm. you, doing that in moss works fantastic to root hoyas as well just enclose it in a humidity enclosure with moss sphagnum but then if you want to switch to leca then it's like try removing that sphagnum moss right and yeah that's kind of a good as far as the mediums you pick it kind of depends on where you're ultimately going to have your plant go so are you mm-hmm. water propping or perlite propping for LECA or are you water propping or moss propping for soil? Yeah, moss would be a lot easier to just yeah. stick in soil. Yeah. yeah. I had a Hoya Lisa last year that I was like, ah, I don't have the time to deal with rooting this Hoya, which scares me. And I just did individual node cuttings in soil, kept them outside in the greenhouse and just didn't pay attention to it. Because I was like, if I pay attention to this, it's going to die. Right. And so I just kept it moist and... I did it right in soil. It was great. And now I have a giant 
Beautiful plant. Happy plant. I think Lindsay's going outside for the rest yeah, of the Yeah, Lindsay's going outside. Poor Puppers. No, she loves Such outside. A sweet girl. <laughs> I mean, she has to go outside with her cone on. Mm-hmm. Neighbors will see her. She will be embarrassed. Yeah, she'll be fine. Yeah. But lately, I've been getting back to the Hoya propagating. Yeah. Uh, lately, I've been getting back to water propping them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. Why have I been water propping them? Because I'm switching all the Hoyas back to soil because right. I found like. Over time, when they get really mature, they outgrow pots in Lekka, and sometimes you get rot in Lekka. Have you... What are you water propping right now? Because, like, I have found the real fleshy stuff does not water prop well. Like, I tried to do Bellas in water. It did not go well. Oh, I also rotted a Bella in water. Mm-hmm. Rotted, not rooted. I said rotted. I know. Just making sure we I'm just clarifying. I'm currently water propping a one of the those Carnosa Wilbur graves, ah, like that yep, that yep. not very silvery one yep. that I have, because um, I have this mother plant in Lekka and it just keeps growing this vine, mm-hmm. and I keep cutting it and water propping it, and I've got a bunch of it now in soil. Nice. I just like having those mother plants in in soil. There's something about like it's just. I can put a bunch of cuttings in a single pot and it gets really full. I can just water it when it needs, when it's dry. I don't know. I don't know. I go back and forth with the, the Lekka soil thing a lot, but, um, so yeah. I have a couple of Hoyos in soil and a couple of Hoyos in Lekka and they're happy where they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm not Mm -hmm. (laughs) going to mess with them because I get scared of propping Hoyos. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I I have Hoyos in Lekka as well that are going to stay there, but they're they're very satisfying plant to propagate, I would say. Oh, yeah. Just like not for me. Not for you. <laughs> once you once you get it down. Yeah. yeah, it's they go so fast. Yeah. Yeah. I do have some success stories. Like I don't kill everything. Right. Um but you guys have you seen my giant polyneura that I made? I had two polyneuras that I had Christina giving me cuttings on two separate occasions and I was scared to put them together. <laughs> and eventually they got long and I cut them. And I put I took a 6-inch pot of Lekka. And I cut up my entire plant, which was like 75 cuttings. And I stuck them all down into Lekka in that six-inch pot. There's like hardly any space. <laughs> 75. <laughs> There's hardly any space yeah, in between the cuttings. And it, it, it rooted, finally rooted. It's growing in now. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, God, I've created a monster. You was, have. <laughs> so when you, so that's, I think, at least I know for me and Kaylin, maybe you, Adam, when you get a plant, do you ever buy plants with the intent of making in it a larger plant down the road? Oh yeah, like with more growth points. How I'm many a growth points? For that. How many growth points do you normally like to have in a pot to say like this is my mother mm. plant? Oh, we've talked about that. Depends on the plant. Yeah, it totally depends. Like how big is this one growth point going to be? And I also can tell you what my limit is too. Sixty-five. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know we we I can't fully say that yet on the polyneura mm. because it's going to get big. I haven't regretted it yet once it, but. Like I say, I've created a monster. I know what I'm getting myself into. Yeah, for me, I would say it absolutely depends on the plant. Because I like certain of my climbing aeroids, like that huge... I'm looking at my giant elbow pinatum. Mm. And it's great with just one vine on a pole in a six-inch pot. Um, What if you had four in there? Let's go through genus. So you have your... Okay, epipremnum is slightly different. Okay. Epipremnum, you have one. What if we had pothos? Well, epipremnum is, yeah, I've got the trailing. If they're, if they're intended to be trailing plants, I, I definitely want more than one vine because right. unlike Hoya, the 
the aeroids mostly won't branch. They're not going to be branching very much. Sometimes they branch from really low down to the soil. Um, if they can grow aerial roots and like dig in from a higher a node, like right above the soil. But for the most part, those aeroids are going to just be one long vine. So if you want it to look full trailing, uh, you need at least four cuttings, five. For trailing, I like to go for like eight. Eight. Um, but the thing is, what's I found is that if you start eight in a pot, let's say it's eight cuttings in a six inch pot, in about a year, you're going to have to put that in a larger pot. You really want to hang an eight inch pot in your window. And then after that, do you want to put a 10 inch pot hanging in your window? So like there is a limit. So personally, I would start with four mm-hmm. from go from four. And then once they get long, take some cuttings, cut them back. They will branch out and make a couple more vines, but you still have that original root system there. Mm-hmm. And then you can make it fuller that way by cutting it back as opposed to what I did and put eight cuttings in a pot. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, I have to up pot this. My window's not big enough for an eight inch pot. There, There is something nice about also when you're, when, if we're talking about propagating, once you have a, like you said, Christine earlier, like, do you ever buy a plant with the intent of like growing it, propagating and making it fuller, making more of them? But I absolutely do that. If it's just a single vine, if it's just a single vine in a pot, when you do grow it out, you grow like seven or eight nodes maybe and cut it apart, then you can grow it back faster because it's got that established root system. And it's bushier from the start. Yeah, and it can be like a fuller, larger, sometimes it'll put out a really large, really large leaf right off right off the bat once you when you cut it back for that first time. Um, which is very nice. I think it's something that I did. It took me a little time, like practice to realize mm-hmm. that it can be beneficial to grow a plant out simply to cut it down to a stump and let it grow from that stump with an established root system mm-hmm. yeah. in your own conditions. Right. So now, okay, moving on to philodendrons, how mm-hmm. many, vi- or how many stems in a pot? Like a self-head philodendron mm-hmm. or a well, in that case, I would only have one. I'm right. talking about like something like a Dark Lord or a Squamiferum or a Gamplus Borderinum. I'm going to go uh, th- no more than three. I was going to say one or two. Because I'm doing, I, I created a monster again. Last, last year, I was like, I'm going to make a big full pot. And I put like five to six cuttings in a single pot. And like now they're all growing. And yes, I have a big, beautiful plant. So maybe if you want a specimen plant, do that. If you can dedicate the space to it. But... That is an insane plant. Its root system is going to get big fast. You're going to have to put it in a large pot. And that's where I'm sitting at right now. Worth all my problems is I have too many things going in too big of pots and I'm out of room. Mm-hmm. So, like, by all means, grow up your big plant. But don't put five mayo eyes together unless you have the room for it. Right, because, I mean, even leaf size then, too. Because I'm trying to sit here and think, if I had two billies in a, in that pot with the 18-inch leaves, like... I just don't have space to put it mm-hmm. anywhere. Or yeah. can I give it the proper light either to grow both yeah. points happily? Yeah. And that was what my whole goal last year was to make bigger, fuller plants. And so I did that. But now I'm like, oh, shit. I don't have room for these. So this year I'm going to be selling off those separate plants, going back down to one plant in a pot that I will then grow up a pole to get my big leaves. Um, but I won't be growing them out into big, full, bushy specimens unless I can dedicate the room to it, which right now I can't. Absolutely. I think leaf, we, you have to consider leaf size because for my philodendrons, the, the heart leaf philodendron or oh, yeah. things that are just that are not easy to grow really large leaves on really quickly. I'll put I'll, I'm growing a lot of my 
Hartley philodendron varieties, the, the heteraceum varieties on trellises. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Rio is on a trellis in soil. I've got the heart, uh, variegated hearts on a trellis in LECA. And for each of those, there's like four or five vines in a six inch pot climbing a trellis and it's making the trellis look full. But I wouldn't put like four of, what's another philodendron? Yeah, like a, you said a Mayoi or like four uh, Florida ghosts or Florida beauties or philodendron Florida, Pedatum or Billy, any of those. I don't think I'd put that many in a pot because those, all of those I would climb. Like mm-hmm. any philodendron that you can grow as a climber effectively. Might just want to be one. You might want one or two maybe. Uh, like I said, unless it's a specimen because right. they can be beautiful oh, yeah. if you have, you know, four, five, six growing up your poles, but like yeah. that's going to be big. And that's going to, you're going to need a like, you're going to need like a pole with a four to seven inch diameter for to just create enough yeah. surface area for They're all those too. vines to like find a find their own spot well and me i don't use moss poles i'm not using i'm just using stakes because i don't have the patience to keep moss wet and i have too many plants so everything wow. i grow up is just growing up a pole so like i have my philodendron gigantium in front of my patio door and i measured it today it's seven feet tall and it's seven feet wide I have three stems in there. I just cut one back, so now I just have two tall stems, but little fuckers taller than the patio door. And it's great, but like, that wingspan is insane. I, I brush past it like I'm a jungle cat every time I go out the patio door. <laughs> but that's a fun experience. <laughs> no, because I've broken the leaf a little bit, and so when I walk past it, I now get water on me because the plant is still like transpiring and moving water around its tissue, and so then I get wet. Right. And then it drips on the floor all over. It's not the cats, <laughs> it's me. Um, so when you do take propagations of vines or, um, like when you're taking notes specifically, like Adam, you talked about with your Hoyas, you take off the top or the growing section of the stem on a Hoya so that it's rooting on the older side. How tissue, like you want to leave tissue whenever you take your propagations. How much tissue do you all like to leave on it? For single nodes or for top cuts? Anything. As yeah. much as possible, within reason. Well, yeah, I don't want to leave too much tissue on node cuttings because those, you just need the node tissue. You want to leave enough so that if there is any rot, it's not going to just like move right into the like important section of mm-hmm. the node that you're actually needing to grow roots. But you don't want to leave so much that you're just like, encouraging this huge like four inch chunk of stem tissue that can't contribute to root growth or vine growth like submerged in water or because that's just going to eventually rot if you're leaving a bottom port if you're leaving if you're taking a node cutting and you're leaving four inches underneath it of just stem tissue that's probably just going to encourage rot at some point uh so it depends on on what type of plant but for with with hoyas it's like that all that stem can grow roots. So I would leave as much as I want. And in fact, that can help anchor it when I do plant it, Mm -hmm. have a a deeper stem so it doesn't just tip out of the medium that it's growing in. That is nice. Yeah. So that that would be... And then too, like if if your plant's not getting enough light and it's stretching and your internal nodal spacing is greater, like you don't need to keep all of that. Like my gigantium probably has like seven inches in between some of its nodes. And I'm like, we don't need that. So I cut it back (laughs) to within like 
two to three inches of the node on either side, pop it in water and wait for it to root. So if you put something in water um, and you, and it just like, maybe it doesn't grow roots. Has that ever, I mean, I assume that happens to you. Yeah. So I just have so much shit going on that it just stays in my window in water until it does grow roots. Mm-hmm. And if it rots before it grows roots, then I toss it out. What if it's something important? What if you're propagating? Well, then I'm freaking out the whole time. <laughs> if, so, so if you've got like something that you really, you only have one of mm-hmm. and you really want to grow it and it's, you've got it, you're trying to root it in water. Like as a, Usually a, when that happens, it does bad because I worry about it too much. So I just have to like, let it go. Uh. How about you? What so, Christine? What do you? You said you're propagating corms in moss for allocation. You moss grow a lot like of that. allocation and, and hoyas. Mm-hmm. So you're you're propagating corms in moss or leca, mm-hmm. and you're propagating hoya in leca, pretty exclusively. Pretty at this much point. exclusively leca. So it's not the same because I've I've noticed when I guess you wouldn't be running into this issue if you're not water propping. Sometimes, like I was mentioning earlier, like all of the propag- like nodes will root and start to sprout, but sometimes the older, sadder leaves or older, sadder cuttings just won't grow roots in water, and it'll just get kind of slimy. Mm-hmm. And that's at a point, at that point, that's when I would switch something to moss and put it inside of like a humidity mm-hmm. enclosure. You made me think of something. If I am having the issue water rooting, what I'll do is I'll just go put it in the tent where there's 80% humidity. Right. Huh. And in the jar of water in the humidity. That's what we'll I... will put it in a Ziploc bag if you don't have a tent. Yeah. My When I do water prep, almost everything goes... It doesn't go like in a jar on a counter. It goes in mm. humidity. And that mm. always has helped. That's I mean, I was able to water prop mikins, and people say that you can't water prop mikins. So. Oh, yeah. You just have to not care. And mm-hmm. then they'll root beautifully. I did that too. Once I stopped caring. I think especially I'll keep it in the humidity tent. If it's growing in the humidity tent already for things that... Oh, you need to leave it in there. For things for things that I have, especially like big velvety... I'm thinking I just cut up my... I just propagated my philodendron glorio, uh, glorious. Mm. Uh, and that just has big velvety leaves and it just lives in the grow tent all the time. So it's, it's not like I'm going to cut that vine apart and put it in a jar of water just like mm-hmm. on the counter because yeah. that would be really dramatic for that vine to be it would just be transpiring so fast that the drier conditions and the leaves would suffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was alluding earlier to the point that water propagating is great, but there is sometimes a certain point where moss work. will do it where water just won't do it. Um, and if I leave and thinking of aerides specifically, but I'll leave something in water for so long and it'll just not move. And sometimes aeroids around the node, it'll just grow this like white, like it'll just, they're like stem cells. Yeah. yeah they'll grow cell. It'll just like have an expansion of like tissue, trying, but, but that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it'll just keep doing that and never produce roots and the, it'll swallow the entire node area. It's mm. growing. Yeah. It's really <laughs> weird. Uh, and but I'll put things in moss to kind of like give it a second shot in a different medium and like a really high humidity warm right. space. Mm-hmm. Moss really is a miracle worker. Yeah. When when in doubt, you can. As much as I hate it, I have a love hate relationship with moss. Just because. Yeah, moss is still my last resort. Yeah. If something's really going screwy. Or like if if I'm really hesitant about something, or like I just have one of, I maybe I'll start with 
moss. I've done that before just to kind of baby it. Because you're right, it, it can work miracles. It's it's antimicrobial, it's slightly acidic, so it's antibacterial and antifungal. Um, I don't know, but it also bothers me when it starts to grow algae on it. Like if I don't yeah. have the exact right moisture level and light level, you will start to grow algae in moss, I think. I don't know if yep, you Yep, that happens to me all the time. I just yeah. pick it up and yeah. start over. Or leave it, because sometimes I don't care enough to. <laughs> yeah, uh, it doesn't bother me enough to move it. Right. Um, oh, I had something, but I lost it. No, you're good. What kind of moss are we using? Are we using Spagum. the uh, the uh, dried moss at the hobby store? No, I'm using... I buy the special, like, orchid. Not the, like, triple A or whatever it is, the super expensive stuff, but, like, the grade A orchid sphagnum moss is what I use. Mm. Yeah, I I went to that, I uh, talked to an orchid grower in the past, and they were saying something about, like, long fiber yep. orchid, or long fiber sphagnum moss is better. It, it doesn't turn to dust or break down as quickly, so you can reuse it longer. Uh, yeah, the, the moss, the sphagnum dust is not nice, like, right. if it dries out and it just becomes, like, dusty. So that's something to, I would say, consider if you're picking moss. And just know that sphagnum moss is different than sphagnum peat moss. Mm -hmm. Peat moss is going to be a finer, dusty, Brown. different, different, yeah, different growing medium. They're, yeah. they're different things, even though they both have the name sphagnum, peat moss and sphagnum. I guess, yeah, you look for long fiber sphagnum moss and mm -hmm. you know you're in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah, that's good to make that dif differentiation. Because, screwed me up at first. Yeah, yeah. because peat is like not... Exactly, it's not going to do it at all the same work that the right. like totally different nicely thing. aerated pH balanced long fiber sphagnum moss is doing. Mm -hmm. Now, are you is the moss you guys use is it the New Zealand sphagnum no, moss? Or are you getting? I don't know. I could look up the label and show you. Um, I don't think I'm getting into the New Zealand stuff because that's like the crazy expensive stuff, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Some I've only ever bought moss once, and it was the stuff from the reptile store, and it right. had a bunch of twigs in it, and it was kind of icky. Yeah, someone recently was like, does anyone want to go in on a New Zealand wholesale sphagnum moss order with me? And I was like tempted, but no, I don't know. Not quite ready to go into that dive. For, for the, the stuff that they make for like frogs and amphibians yes. is really, it's supposed to be really high quality because if there's any plastic residue or chemical residue or like, yeah, too much sticks, 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 twigs, uh, that can that can damage those little critters. Yeah. That can be bad for Norm them. Normally when I'm buying moss or cocoa core or cocoa trunks, like I'm buying the reptile grade yeah. so that I know that I it's going to be I must have bought that cheap-ass bag of moss at the reptile store then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I was confused a little bit. Like, oh, you shouldn't, that shouldn't be there. Right. I don't yeah. know. It's my first time buying moss. But it does make a difference. It was 2019. Yeah. What do you want from me? The, the, sh the swaggy, like, dusty moss, like, in a brick <laughs> that it's just, it doesn't do the same work as the, like, higher quality moss. Especially when you get it into that humid environment, the, the long fiber moss just holds the exact amount of moisture perfectly and has this great aeration so it makes a difference do you think you could root in spanish moss oh god you hate spanish moss I why do. would you ask i that? don't know i just thought about it christine hates spanish <laughs> moss everybody 
Why? Because it's weeds. Because it's weeds. Uh, huh. Someone, I mean, and kudos to them. We bought uh, plants from someone in Florida. And instead of packaging, she used Spanish moss. As that had packaging. spider mites on it. Yeah, but she was like, it's a live plant. Keep it and grow it. And I was like, no. So Christine <laughs> gave it, it to mine. And then I got spider mites. And so then I let it dry out. And now I use it for a Halloween decoration. Yeah. Wow. That's a whole... <laughs> that's a whole story yeah no i think you could you'd be surprised you can you can root in a lot you can propagate in a lot of different substances i mean i've sometimes just left i've been too lazy speaking of which that um hoya sunrise that you gave me is still wrapped in you. a oh i did paper sorry. towel yes you did I gave you a cutting. sorry you gave, uh, kaylin gave me a cutting of a hoya sunrise and she gave it to me in a ziploc bag which came from my hoya sunrise uh, right so it has it has, it has it's a, a ziploc bag with a moist paper towel exactly oh yeah and, that's and, an and it's sealed and then you're just gonna wait for it to and root. it's growing roots already <gasps> so we'll root anywhere right basically. so you i think spanish moss if you're careful. You probably do it. You probably do it in a lot of it things. You probably do it in cotton. It's an air plant. It doesn't hold moisture like that. I don't think you will. <laughs> don't I mean, if it's like in a humid spot and you just no, have this other substrate. It doesn't hold moisture. It's a whole plant. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree we'll with you, Adam. To, we'll have to experiment. We'll let you experiment with but your Spanish moss. You guys, what else do we want to... What else? Oh, we, we need to talk about what happens after we root our plant. We're propagating. So what do we do after it roots? You want to you go into now like... What happens Transferring? once it roots? Yeah, one, there's no other. We've been talking for forty minutes about okay. how to root a plant. That's we fair. haven't talked about how to do the next. I step. mean, we we haven't we haven't talked. I don't know. About I usually sell them, so I don't <laughs> know what the next. <laughs> oh, you sell them as sell rooted cuttings. cuttings. Yeah. Okay. We, well, no, but I, I know I do transfer. I can talk to them about. What about like cakey paste and like gene? Clo- gene well, and no, like rooting hormone cloning, and rooting cinnamon. Hormone. I was going to yeah, ask that. Do you cinnamon. guys use cinnamon and rooting hormone? No, I do. No. Every cutting I take, I have a mixture of the two in a little container, and I just. I only it. use cinnamon if I'm actually getting rot that's getting close to the node, and I'm like, oh shit! But I don't use rooting powder. Everything like I have happy plants, and so when I cut them, I stick them in water, I stick them in my window. They're happy to root on their own. I just don't. Yeah. I've yeah. tried it, and I've like I just get the same results either way. So mm. I've stopped using rooting powder. That's fair. I think when you when you're taking cuttings, when you're propagating in general, starting with a healthy plant with healthy tissue. You're, you're setting yourself up much better for success. But for plants that are expensive or that are I'm worried about, I will dip the cut points in cinnamon right after I cut them because why not? It's never hurt before. Right. Uh, and well, see, I'm going straight to water. So like I just feel yeah. like it just washes out right. I mean, like and to explain, cinnamon is a natural antibacterial. And that's why we do that to yeah. help your root. But I've also had crazy... Rot. I've helped. Oh, yeah. And I've also had crazy experience with the cloning paste. Oh, like, Kiki how, paste? I haven't used it it's yet. It's different than Kiki paste. Oh. Or maybe it's the same. I'm or not sure. It was called cloning cloning gel. It mm-hmm. just came in this tiny little tube. And I've used it on my self-heading philodendrons and like my, my variegated um, green Congo. And I put it on this little tiny node and I put it in a Ziploc bag with perlite. And it just grew like... 12 variegated Congo tiny little pups out of it's like it, wow. it worked as like a tissue culture and I yeah. just never opened the bag so disclaimer on the kiki paste only use a very very tiny amount because that plant is going to keep going until that paste is gone so oh. you don't want to stress the plant out by using too much or like you know if you put it on every single note oh god that's not gonna be happy so it's just a diff- very sparingly it's yeah. a whole different propagation experience if you're doing it if you're using some of those like hormonal activating substances speaking yeah. of different propagation methods air layering 
Ah. Mm-hmm. I haven't awesome. done it. I really want to do it on my Florida Ghost because the top three leaves are beautiful and I want it to keep going mm-hmm. and not like chop it and reroot it and then have it stress out and potentially give me gross leaves again because I've got it, finally got it in a nice spot for those top four leaves, three leaves, fourth, one coming out. So air layering. I don't really bother with it. I have done it a couple times to encourage more roots on one of my Gigantiums before I took cuttings. I did it on your Billy because I wanted that to be able to get cut. And go straight into soil without having to root it. But, like, for the most part, I just take top cuttings, stick them in water, and a month later, they're in soil. So, I don't do a lot of air layering. It could depend also on the time of year. Like, during prime growing season, you might be able to take a top cutting, root it so fast, and get it established in a pot that it doesn't really blink. Like hiccup? Yeah. um, But... But I love air, layer. because, yeah, air layering. Air layering your pothos. Yeah, so. like the plants that have grown carefully for months and months up poles, and I like the large foliage. I don't want to shock them into smaller growth mm. right away just by chopping it. So especially for, for aeroids that are climbing, they have the capability of growing aeroids. It's really easy to air layer them. It, it doesn't take much effort to just wrap them up with moss and cellophane and just let them sit that way for a while before i chop it do you when you air layer so you i see like you have the moss and the cellophane do you have to water that moss often do you have to open it up and so for that pearl pearls and jade pothos that i'm currently air layering i wrapped it tightly Mm -hmm. so it really is i just put the right amount of moisture in the moss and i wrapped it around the node and then I really wrapped it tightly with the plastic wrap. So that hasn't been losing moisture very okay. fast. But if you see that it's drying out, like you can it change the moss changes color when it gets dry. So right. you can look in there and be like, oh it looks really light and like there isn't water in there. Or you can feel it and if it feels crispy or hard, then you might want to add water. I just take a spray bottle and yeah. stick it in a hole and squirt, squirt, squirt. Right. And uh, then uh, if you Squeeze it like you would a sponge to rehydrate. That works. Yeah. It's very effective without yeah. having to move anything or take off your little packet sure. of moss. Yeah, but I mean, so that's effective if you don't want to make the plant kind of suffer right. uh, during the cut. Are you saying my plants suffer when I take cuttings? <laughs> without Clearly. air layering? Adam. Uh, no. I, I want to try it with my Florida ghost because yeah. it was it. ugly, 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 ugly leaves. And now all of a sudden it's You almost doing gave it to me because you had beautiful, beautiful things and yeah. do it. So I want to take a top cut, but I want to make sure it's established first. And, and really quick, before we move on from air layering, I want to also say like it's different without with plants that don't grow aerial roots. Right. So you you things like trees, like hardwood, like if you're growing oh, bonsai, you can you can air layer those too. But it's just a different methodology that requires a few extra steps. Because you have to cut back the bark, don't you? Yeah, something about like removing some of the outer tissue to allow roots to grow from a place that they normally wouldn't. Yeah, oh, speaking uh, of, I was supposed to do that to my ficus cuttings. But I think the ficus can grow aerial roots. I've grown aerial uh, on the plant. You mean before or after you chop, sorry. I think in high humidity, ficus can grow aerial roots. They're like mm-hmm. jungle trees that can grow roots right through the air out of any point on the on the trunk. My yellow gem will grow roots down closer to the soil that then grow into the soil. So I don't necessarily see those as aerial roots, but they are. Right. So for, but there are trees that people might be growing and plants that people might be growing that don't grow aerial roots that could require different types of strategies for air layering. But with the aeroids, it's simple and it's also effective if you're trying to get larger, mature foliage over time and keep it that way. 
Okay, so now what do we do after we have our cutting? It's rooted. We're ready to pot it up. Let's say in this case. We usually kill it in the shock of transfer. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, then I will talk about this. I have my rooted cutting. Usually what I'm doing is I'm potting it up in soil. I'll give it a good soak. Um, Depending on the plant, I'll either stick it in the humidity tent or not. This Um, is from water? Yeah, this is from water usually. Um, Yeah, they do do tend to acclimate, not acclimate, but like get established a little quicker if you give them humidity. You don't have to keep them in humidity. It's just nice to give them just a little boost to get them going right away. Uh, Not necessary. Helpful. And then... Just keep the keep the soil moist, not wet. Make sure you, you use a well-draining mix, and then give it lots of light. But keeping it moist, I think, is the biggest key here. And also, like we said earlier, when you take a cutting from a plant that's growing in high humidity and you put it in water, and you probably want to keep it in the humidity, at mm-hmm. least in the beginning, would you do the same thing when you switch it from the water to the soil? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would I would wait till it's actively growing in its new pot, in its new locate or like in the tent, and then pull it out. I learned my lesson on that one, too. So, like, I just swapped my uh, Ring of Fire, Ghost, Analocasia, my Albo. All of those went from either rooting or Leca into soil, and they were in grow tents, so now they are staying in grow tents. I learned my lesson on that one. Because what what happened? They died? Yeah, too much stuff was just getting shocked too quickly. And I have learned, actually, if I'm going from moss to soil, I baby them even a little more, and I continue keeping some moss with them for a while so mm-hmm. like my plutos um when we did the, we, we went in on some tissue cultures, cultures a while ago and some of it was a disaster some was okay yeah i killed all mine but the strawberry shakes i had strawberry shakes that i went from moss to soil i didn't give them any moss and even though they still stayed in the humidity they shocked too much and they died so mm-hmm. whoops but when i went from plutos i kept moss with my plutos they are much happier in soil mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, I didn't like keep all of the moss on them. Like, yeah, you just left just some a little attached. Bit, you just didn't so totally strip the root system before yeah. you planted it. Yep. Yeah. And you even See, put some moss on top to help. Oh, I don't trust the moss. So I would never do that. But that's just my experience. Right? You moss. can trust it. You can trust it. No, it holds too much moisture in the soil. It's going to get root rot. That's, that's how I see it. But then I don't, I kept them in a smaller sized pot mm-hmm. too. So then it's not as much soil to rot around the roots. I don't know. It's. We're all experimenting here, so we're learning. Science. Yeah. We're science. It is. It's, it's a total process of experimentation. And I go, my propagate, the way I propagate different plants, it changes so fast over time. Mm-hmm. But I would say once things grow roots, it totally depends on where the plant is and what method I'm using to propagate it. That would dictate the next steps in that case. Like, right. like you said, we'd leave it in the tent. If it's been in water inside of a grow tent or a terrarium or high humidity setting, I would leave it there after I transition it to soil or LECA. Growing things in, if you're propagating in water, putting them from, once they root, putting them into LECA is like not... No change. Yeah, it doesn't shock the plant at Mm -hmm. all. Sometimes rooting things in water and then putting them in soil, there's like a lag period where the roots have to start moving into the soil and like establishing before the plant keeps growing but moving from water prop to leca there's like it's sort of seamless uh that's something that i noticed but you know going into soil is always a risk after you propagate something potting it up i feel like there's always some risk that it's just not going to respond well so doing as much as you can to kind of make the process like smooth and gentle is probably good and keeping an eye on it yeah mm-hmm. watching for signs of decline right and i think in in soil in particular in the very beginning 
one other benefit, this is one other benefit of using LECA, but determining the moisture level, keeping the moisture level in the soil accurate or at the right level in the beginning is extra important because right. those those plants are delicate, they're a little bit more fragile. And before they establish themselves, it's going to be a larger risk of rot or of dry rot. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, all of those things I would consider. Yeah. Anybody have anything you want to add on to propagating? I would just say thank you to everybody for listening to yet another episode of our Rough Around the Hedges podcast. And thank you to everyone who's given me a little comment about Adam calling the aglaonema Jerry Pink. <laughs> People yes. love that. Yeah, Especially you, Jerry Pink. Right? The Jerry Pink. If you love this stuff, please leave us reviews too. Like go, go on... Go on the, especially on the Apple, I would say, Apple Pods, and leave reviews Apple there. Apple Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to offer up a free Jerry Pink sticker to anybody who leaves us a review. <laughs> we'll mail you a Jerry Pink sticker. I love it. I didn't leave us a review. So I I'm going to go design a Jerry yeah. Pink sticker. Yeah, Christine was like sitting <laughs> over here like, some oh. Jerry Pink stickers. Christine to... is our sticker mastermind, and now she's like going to be making us another sticker. She made us a sticker of the uh, Stay Rough from the last set of episodes right hit us up if you want stickers to rep our podcast yeah. but you have to leave us a review and you have to join the discord oh yeah that's right uh everybody join our rough around the hedges discord server mm -hmm. the link can be found on our instagram, instagram link tree is it available through our website yet website is not available quite yet we're working on it haha -ha, website um <laughs> no go hit up our instagram rough around the hedges is it what is it oh shit rough around the hedges podcast is it rough around mm -hmm. the hedges podcast mm -hmm. yes i have been taking an instagram break so i don't even know Rough Around the Hedges podcast. Check out the link tree. That will send you the link to our Discord. Please join our community. We will talk about plants. You can see the things I sew at work and at home. I just made some Shrek shorts. I'm wearing them today. Look. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I made some Shrek shorts because I love Shrek. Shout out Shrek. Shrek fans unite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, you guys. All right. All right. Well... Stay rough, everybody. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.